obviously. Oh my god, bam bam. <laughs> the last the last two times we recorded here, we we try to start, you know, we do the complete silence. Uh, I say hi Emily, we start. And always the last two times, <laughs> Bam Bam has had something to do or say. Yep. So either got to eat his kibble or he's got to let us know that he's here. Yeah. So we're recording at Emily's house, which is how you know, like, okay, the beginning of the podcast will have cat noises. If we're at my house, the middle end, beginning, all the way through it will have cat and or dog noises <laughs> in it that I attempt to edit out and then just give up halfway through. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, anyway... Hi, Emily. Hi. This is the uh-oh feeling. Oh, hey, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, it's a podcast we do where we tell survivor stories. Yeah. It's awesome. We hope. Yeah. We fucking well, think it yeah, is. We think it is. We've we've kept doing it, yeah. so. It's uh, the 64th episode of this Jesus. goddamn thing. I know. We are, we are creeping up on that 69. I know. Oh, my God. I think about it every time. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> So excited. We are doing something special for it. Oh, my God, yeah. We, we have to. We absolutely have to. Like, just let's get nasty about it. Yeah. First of all. <laughs> for our 50th, we had two guests, and we drank Malort, mm -hmm. and I'm sort of like, oh, man, how do we... What do we do to top it? <laughs> I am voting uh -huh. that we go somewhere else. Yeah. For, like, a night. Uh-huh. And just like record. And record somewhere else. Mm -hmm. We can like bring someone along for fun. That'd be fun. Eat some dumb food. Oh man. And I... visit a murder location. Okay. I do have actually like my story will tie into a place I think we might want to go. Okay. Just as an option. Mine is a place we do not want to go. Uh oh, okay. <laughs> so that's not the connection between that is our stories. Not the connection between our stories. <laughs> Okay, I'm very excited about this one because we were talking a little bit about our research and like I was telling Jake about mine as I was doing it because I was like, oh my God, like every five minutes and he was like, Jesus, he's not a true crime person. He is not. He does not want to fucking hear about it. Nope. <laughs> but I definitely told if him. If you've anyway. ever wondered why we like haven't had Jake on the podcast. Because yes. <laughs> he does not want to hear this shit. <laughs> and, uh, and you were like, I have emotions. I have so. emotions. <laughs> so this is going to be dope. I'm excited. Yeah. Ep 64. Yep. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Man, do we have anything else to update? We were just talking about how the next month we're probably going to get a new mic. Yeah. The ones we have right now are working pretty good, but, like, we've got one awesome one and one okay one, and we're going to get another great mic. We're going to mm -hmm. sound awesome. And that means when we go, like, on location. We're going to sound fantastic. I sound fucking dope, no matter what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Keep, yeah, stay tuned for that. We just got five more ups until 69. <laughs> isn't that like 10 more weeks from now we'll be really close to our third anniversary too yeah so which is why we should do something special yes you're right like It'll episode 69 is going to be like really close to our three-year anniversary oh my god so weird so i don't funny. know what do we get for a three-year anniversary is it the dirt anniversary or something <laughs> <laughs> it can't be a like a very high level one no <laughs> hold on well you know we, we have to look we this have up. to look hold on yeah um, um what i'm Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Did hey! You, did you just see the same thing as hey. me? The leather anniversary. Uh -huh. <laughs> Gimp suits all around, I guess. You know, like I don't... <laughs> Let's I'll get... be your drill daddy. Damn, we're gonna get so nasty <laughs> up in are. here. We have to go to the gay nineties now. Oh, we really do. <laughs> 
I haven't been to the gay 90s in forever. Since Bobby's birthday. Yes, the last time we went to the gay 90s, which is, by the way, a bar in Minneapolis, which is fabulous. It's amazing. It's more than a bar. It's, it's a club. It's, it's a, a club. It's a they drag club. It's a karaoke bar. It's S&M a strip nights. club. Yes. It's all sorts of crazy things. So much. And there's poles you can dance on, which yeah. we did a lot. And, we did. And, and, and they have professionals oof. dancing on the poles. Mm-hmm. Which make you look like shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're drunk. Yeah. But it was fun. It was super fun. It was super fun. And they have legit drag shows there like yep. every goddamn night. Mm-hmm. Like every weekend at and least. very impressive. Mm-hmm. And we definitely saw some for realsy strippers like doing some dancing. <laughs> and you and my husband definitely <laughs> gave all of your money away to the girl <laughs> who was really getting it. I split it. it. I split it between the girl and the guy. She was like awesome. She was awesome. She was killing it. But yeah, like it's like all of our drunk friends just sort of mesmerized by these <laughs> mostly naked people. We're yeah. like, wow. And like most of our friends are at least bi, so it was just like yeah. a really confusing time in everyone's life. Yeah, like, uh oh, what do oh. I? Hey, wait. How do I? Oh feel? no, I like both. Oh no. Uh oh. <laughs> I don't have enough money for oh. both. <laughs> it was great. It's fucking great. We'll have to do that again soon for sure. There's a foam night there too. We should go to that. <gasps> I want to go to a foam night. Yeah, we got to figure that out. All right. <laughs> we'll see if that falls around oh, the three-year anniversary. Around our leather anniversary. Around our leather anniversary for episode 69. <laughs> it's like the stars have aligned. It seriously is. It's like, it's too good. It's, it's too, too fucking good. good, y'all. It's just too good. <laughs> I'm really proud of us, honestly. <laughs> oh. All right. I can't start mine now. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, Is it like the antithesis of this nasty shit? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Okay. We are changing the vibe. The vibes are shifting a little. <laughs> can't promise anything. I'll try. Oh, Ooh. the vibes. The vibes. Don't worry. The vibes are going to shift because I'm starting with a quote. Oh, no. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. Everyone, take your vibes. Put them into, like, ready-to-shift mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. Shit. Oh, we're drinking tequila, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, ready. We couldn't try on clothes. You had to take a brown paper bag and draw a diagram of your foot and take that to the store. Can you imagine all of that in my mind? My head was just too full of black history, you know, the oppression that we went through. History kept me stuck to my seat. I felt the hands of Harriet Tubman pushing me down on one shoulder and Sojourner Truth pushing me down on the other. I made a personal statement, too, one that Parks didn't make and probably couldn't have made. Mine was the first cry for justice and a loud one. Shit. Okay, okay. So we on that Black History Month shit right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to get real mad. Yeah. Okay, all right. I mean, it's Day in NY, so... <laughs> I'm always mad. You're so right. That's, That's my secret, secret cap. cap. <laughs> so I've had a lot of ADD when I was trying to decide on what I wanted to talk about. Sure. First, I was like, ooh, let's talk about Eliza Harris, who if you haven't read Uncle Tom's Cabin, go do that. She's featured in there. Her mm. story is incredible. Mm-hmm. But I was like, eh, I'm not going to do that. And then I wanted to talk about the Lalori house, but they didn't have the names of the survivors that I needed because the survivors were slaves. So, like, nobody cared. <sighs> sure. And then I was going to talk about a slave revolt, but that was too sad. (laughs) We'd be fucking crying, screaming. And then I was like, man, I just watched a great documentary and I want to talk about Malcolm X's assassination and the people that had been surrounding him who were also involved. Yeah. But then I was like, that is 
that is just a whole can of worms. Sure. That I, I'm, I'm not doing. Possibly a multi-parter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's a little too intense to try and cram into one thing. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about Claudette Colvin. Oh, okay. Have you ever heard of her? I am not certain. I'm terrible with names. But probably not, to be honest, mm-hmm. because, like, we aren't taught half this shit. Yeah. But I can guarantee you've heard of Rosa Parks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, on March 2nd, 1955, mm-hmm. Claudette was arrested at the age of 15 in Montgomery, Alabama. Remember mm. how I said it was a place that we didn't want to go? Oh, uh, yeah. 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 No. For refusing to give up her seat to a white woman on a crowded, segregated bus. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. This is... Pre-Rosa Parks. Yes. I know a little bit about this. Yes. Okay, This awesome. occurred nine months before Rosa Parks. Wow. Okay, this who, is exciting. Yes, was the secretary of the local chapter of the NAACP, which, for anyone who doesn't know what the NAACP is, <laughs> since that has come there up. totally might be. <laughs> so hold on. I'm only here to learn y'all a thing, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> NAACP is the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. It was formed in 1909 as a biracial endeavor. 1909? 1909. That's earlier than I thought. That's cool. Yep. It was uh, formed by W.E.B. Dubois. (laughs) Ain't he a great writer? Ain't he a great writer? (laughs) Mary White Ovington, Moorfield Story, and Ida B. Mm. Okay. Cool. So there you go. Awesome. Rosa Parks was the secretary of the local chapter of the NAACP, and she helped spark the 1955 Montgomery bus boycott. Yes. Colvin was also one of the plaintiffs in the first federal court case filed by civil rights attorney Fred Gray on February 1st in 1956, which was Browder v. Gale, which challenged bus segregation in the city. She testified before a three-judge panel that heard the case in a United States District Court. They then determined that the state and local laws requiring bus segregation in Alabama were unconstitutional. Yay. Fucking good. (laughs) This case then went on to the United States Supreme Court, Mm -hmm. as angry white people are wont to do. (laughs) I thought you were going to name the court case (laughs) Angry White People v. the NAACP. Because the state appealed it. Uh-huh. They're like, we're not unconstitutional, you fucks. We don't like it. <laughs> and it was upheld in the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And that brought an end to bus segregation in the state of Alabama. Fucking dope. So, for many years, Montgomery's black leaders didn't publicize Colvin's pioneering effort. Because she was an unmarried teenager at the time. And had reportedly been impregnated pretty recently after her stand by a married man. Ooh. So, Mm -hmm. it made sense that they didn't want to put a 15-year-old African-American girl out there for the world to rip apart. Right. Because they would. Because she had done this, but they, they couldn't have her be their spokesperson for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Colvin has been quoted saying young people think Rosa Parks just sat down on a bus and ended segregation, but that wasn't the case at all, which, yeah. I mean, that's literally what you're taught. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She sat on a bus 
And everyone was like, oh, darn, I feel bad about my life choices. Mm-hmm. No. She, sure, she sure did say, no, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And then everybody listened. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the reasons that they had chosen Rosa Parks is because she had, quote, the good hair. Oh, Okay. So she didn't have, like, natural hair? Yeah. Okay. And she was lighter-skinned, older, Mm -hmm. more, quote, Mm respectable-looking, more acceptable by middle class. Right. These are, like, the shitty decisions you have to make when you are trying to do something of this caliber with people who fucking literally hate you. Sometimes you have to kowtow to them a little bit. Yep. Sucks. Yep. So, in 1955, Colvin was a student at the segregated Booker T. Washington High School in the city. She relied on the city's buses to get to and from school because her parents did not own a car. Okay. Not surprising. Mm -hmm. Rare commodities in the 50s, especially for a person of color. Yeah, for sure. The majority of the customers on the bus system were African American, but easily discriminated against because of seating. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, she said that she aspired to be president one day. Nice. And had been a member of the NAACP Youth Council and had literally just been learning about the civil rights movement in school like that day. Oh, wow. So March 2nd comes along. She sat in the colored section as she was informed to do. Mm-hmm. She said she was about two seats away from an emergency exit in a Capitol Heights bus. The bus then became so crowded that all of the, quote, white seats in the front of the bus were filled up until the white people were standing. And as per the rules, if you didn't know, any African-Americans were then supposed to get up from their seats so that then the white people could sit. Even though they're already in the section you're supposed to be. Yep. Wow. So when a white woman got on the bus and was left standing in the front, the bus driver, Robert W. Cleary... Um, commanded Colvin and three other black women in her row to move to the back. One woman was left standing, so yes. they were like, "All th- this entire row to needs up? to move." Jesus. Well, she couldn't sit next to a black person. Oh yeah, no, of course you're right. What was I thinking? God. God damn it. Um, the other three moved, but then another preg- another pregnant black woman, Ruth Hamilton, got on and sat next to Colvin. Okay. The driver then looked in the mirror and asked both of them to get up. The pregnant woman said she was not getting up. (laughs) I'm fucking pregnant. Fuck you. (laughs) And then Colvin was like, well, I'm not getting up either. Nice. So the bus driver's like, well, if you're not getting up, I'm going to go get a policeman. Great. So. It's so fucking stupid. We don't even know if that lady was like, no, it's fine. I'll just fucking stand. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, it's like this guy (laughs) who's an asshole to all these women. Right. Because also sexism. Right. (laughs) <laughs> it's all intertwined yeah all the time always has been i'm just i'm sure that woman was also not cool about it because white people back then were never cool about it no but like i just love that it's the bus driver instigating this entire goddamn thing yep like, just drive the bus dude goddamn oh, God. <laughs> so this is an excerpt from the book twice towards justice by philip hoos hoos i knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very fun name <laughs> you know me So, this is about Claudette. And just to preface this, at this point, the policemen are now on the bus asking who's making a ruckus. Sure. In the 50s, policemen were just out and about. They sure were just walking down the street ready to be pulled aside and brought onto a bus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
you know. You would never do that today. They're no. driving around in cars. You got to call. <laughs> like, that guy would spend 20 minutes trying to get police there today. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> this excerpt is kind of long, but mm-hmm. it's very good. Mm-hmm. One of them said to the driver in a very angry tone. Oh, hold on. The N word is in here. Oh, OK. Ooh. In okay. case anybody doesn't know, I am black. Right. <laughs> You're allowed to say whatever you want. I don't want want. to say it, but I'm going to say it because this is what is written. It's literally like a quote. Also, I'm black. Right. So if you're going to fucking come for me, then let's dance. I'm just going to put that in the description, too. (laughs) Just a reminder, Emily's black. (laughs) Do not at us. This is the one time I will say do not at us. (laughs) Yes. One of them said to the driver in a very angry tone, Who is it? The motorman pointed at me. I heard him say, That's nothing new. I've had trouble with that thing before. He called me a thing. Whoa. They came to me and stood over me, and one said, Aren't you going to get up? I said, No, sir. He shouted, Get up, again. I started crying, but I felt even more defiant. I kept saying over and over in my high-pitched voice, It's my constitutional right to sit here as much as that lady. I paid my fare. It's my constitutional right. Nice. I knew I was talking back to a white policeman, but I'd had enough. One cop grabbed one of my hands and his partner grabbed the other and they pulled me straight up out of my seat. My books went flying everywhere. I went limp as a baby. I was too smart to fight back. They started dragging me backwards off the bus. One of them kicked me. I Mm. might have scratched one of them because I had long nails, but I sure didn't fight back. I kept screaming over and over, it's my constitutional right. I wasn't shouting anything profane. I never Mm. swore, not then, not ever. I was shouting out my rights. Wow. It just killed me to leave the bus. I hated to give that white woman my seat when so many black people were standing. I was crying hard. The cops put me in the back of a police car and shut the door. They stood outside and talked to each other for a minute, and then one came back and told me to stick my hands out the open window. He handcuffed me, and then pulled the door open and jumped in the back seat with me. I put my knees together and crossed my hands over my lap and started praying. All ride long, they swore at me and ridiculed me. They took turns trying to guess my bra size. Yeah. They called me nigger bitch and cracked jokes about parts of my body. I recited the Lord's Prayer in the 23rd Psalm over and over in my head, trying to push back the fear. I assumed they were taking me to juvenile court because I was only 15. I was thinking, now I'm going to be picking cotton, since that's how they punish juveniles. Oh my god, are you fucking kidding me? That's what they did? Okay. They put you in a school out in the country where they made you do field work during the day. No fucking way. I can't. um, Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. 1950s. Y'all remember that uh, slavery can't be a thing anymore, right? Remember? remember <laughs> but it's not slavery it's corporal punishment now yeah uh um uh, okay our, our prisons our different. prisons are slave camps whatever yep. don't worry about it <laughs> they are now and they were then and nothing this is has so changed nothing. but we were going in the wrong direction they kept telling me i was going to atmore the woman's pen- penitentiary oh jesus instead we pulled up to the police station and they led me inside no <laughs> shit you can't just send somebody to a penitentiary they haven't been charged (laughs) look the amount of power these guys think they have yeah right well they just want to scare her and what dicks like fucking it gets worse oh no 
More cops looked up when we came in and started calling me thing and whore. What the fuck is with that? They booked me and took my fingerprints. They then put me in the back of the, back in the car and drove me to the city jail, the adult jail. Yeah, okay, great. Like, there's not a fucking holding center they could have put her in right. at the police station. No, it's probably filled with white people. Oh, no, wait, no, they didn't arrest white people back then. That was, no. It had God. nobody in it because apparently all, they only arrest black people and the black people have to go straight to jail. Yep. Great. Someone led me straight to a cell without giving me any chance to make a phone call. He opened the door and told me to get inside. He shut it hard behind me and turned the key. The lock fell into place with a heavy sound. It was the worst sound I'd ever heard. It sounded final. It said I was trapped. When he went away, I looked around me. Three bare walls, a toilet, and a cot. Then I fell down on my knees in the middle of the cell and started crying again. I didn't know if anyone knew where I was or what had happened to me. I had no idea how long I would be there. I cried and I put my hands together and prayed like I had never prayed before. Jesus. Now, if you'll remember... City buses were a pretty popular way for people of color to get from school to home. Sure. She wasn't alone on that bus. She had schoolmates on the bus People with who would recognize her and see that that happened. That's so good. they saw a woman down mm -hmm. and ran home to call Claudette's mother. Um, good. Wow. And they called her at the house where she was working because she was a maid. Wow, you got to know pretty good stuff yeah. like, about that person to be like, yeah. I know exactly I mean, where they are. it's pretty tight-knit communities. Mm -hmm. It's legit. Um, girls went over to take care of the lady's three small children so that Claudette's mother could leave. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, whole community comes oh, together. Yeah. Marianne Colvin then called Claudette's pastor, the Reverend H.H. Johnson, because he had a car. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then they sped to the police station. Mm-hmm. The reverend paid her bail money. Oh. And then on the ride home, she said that he said something that stayed with her to this day. Mm -hmm. Claudette, he said, I'm so proud of you. Everyone pay, prays for freedom. We've all been praying and praying, but you're different. You want your answer the next morning. And I think you just brought the revolution to Montgomery. That's awesome. Because yeah. she did. Because she did. She <laughs> fucking did. That's so cool. Larkin's Price was a classmate of hers that had been on the bus, um, testified for Colvin when she was tried in juvenile court. She was initially charged with disturbing the peace, violating the segregation laws, and battering and assaulting a police officer. Disturbing the peace is just such a bullshit such charge. Such a bullshit charge. Always used for th things like this. Yeah. Always. Um, Price told the court there was no assault because there wasn't. Mm -hmm. Not on her not on, part. Not on her against the They're officers. They're the ones who dragged her off. And kicked her. That's fucking assault. <laughs> yeah. Not that that has changed, but like, yeah, no, you no, know. No, no, no. Uh, the police apparently cannot commit assault. That's no. just like not a thing. Um, no, they just are using, you know, extra force mm -hmm. for a resistant criminal so clearly necessary for a 15 year old girl yeah who, who was, was crying. crying yeah <laughs> we both just like took that drink we said that shady thing we took that drink as if we were the fucking kermit meme <laughs> like <laughs> but that's none of my business <laughs> <laughs> all right so 
Through the trial, Colvin was represented by Fred Gray. Remember that name that I mentioned earlier for mm-hmm. the Supreme Court case? Mm-hmm. Um, who was a lawyer for the Montgomery Improvement Association, mm. which was organizing civil rights actions. Nice. She unfortunately was convicted on all three charges because she was a black female in the 50s. Uh-huh. Even I bet this wasn't even a jury thing, but if there was, a jury of her peers would have been like all white people. Yes. Like, it's bullshit. Which will come up later. Mm. Uh, when Colvin's case was appealed to the Montgomery Circuit Court on May 6th, 1955, the charges of disturbing the peace and violating the segregation laws were dropped. Really? Although her conviction for assaulting a police officer was upheld. Okay, that's the most bullshit part, I feel yes. like. <laughs> like, that's yes. the one thing you could prove she didn't do. Yeah. <laughs> like, even if you want to argue in favor of the segregation laws, yeah, sure, she broke them on yeah. purpose for a reason. But she didn't assault anybody. No. Fucking A. Oh, my God, whatever. <laughs> so, Claudette's activism wasn't just this, like, one-time um, in high school, she, like I said, had high ambitions of wanting to become president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, she was politically active, and it was fueled in part by an incident with her schoolmate, Jeremiah Reeves. Um, Reeves was found having sex with a white woman who claimed she was raped, Mm-mm. though Reeves claimed their relations were consensual. Mm-hmm. He was executed for his alleged crimes. Oh, my God. Yes. In the 50s. Yes. Executed. Yes. For having sex with a white woman. Yes. For No one is executed for rape. Yeah. No one ever. No one. Holy shit. Yeah. And not like a lynching. He was literally executed by the state. Right. Like whatever they did back then. Probably right. an well, electric chair. I'm going to get into that. Oh, no. Oh, God. So okay. Martin Luther King Jr. did write about think... him in his memoir because he had spent a lot of time working on this case. Sure. Um, he'd even helped with getting one of the convictions overturned but then like they went back and it just it it wasn't good so yeah there there'd been an exclusion of people of color on the jury and they'd made enough of an argument to have that conviction thrown out sure um they'd also gotten him to revoke his confession which had been acquired under duress Okay. Because they had literally strapped him to the electric chair. No, 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 And then left him in the chair overnight until he confessed. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. That is against so many laws. Yes. That's against international laws. Yes. (laughs) Like, that's like, that's fucking psychological violation of human rights. Yep. Yeah. Holy shit. That could be argued as a war crime. Uh, I feel like it is. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Everything's fine. So she moved to New York after everything. Mm-hmm. But rarely told her story. Um, the discussions in the black community began to focus on black enterprise rather than integration. Um, although the national civil rights legislation did not pass until 1964 and 1965, hmm. which sucks. Yeah. Um, NPR's Margot Adler had said that black organizations, again, believed that Rosa Parks would be a better figure for a test case for integration because of all of the stuff we talked about. Right. Also, she, quote, had the maturity to handle it. 
Sure, you're going to get your ass ripped apart in the yeah. press by people you see on the street like Rosa Parks was an older woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Claudette was not the only woman um, who was part of the civil rights movement that had been left out of the history books. Mm-hmm. A lot of things have been left out of the history books, as we've talked about. Well, yeah, we've covered quite a few of those things yeah. where it's like, oh, didn't know about that. <laughs> Christ. And part of this was the NAACP trying to broadcast this outward face and right. putting on this image and partially a product of women fearing losing their jobs when they were often in the public school system. Sure. Which is fair. Um, in 2005, Colvin told the Montgomery advertiser that she would not have changed her decision to remain seated on the bus. Quote, I feel very, very proud of what I did. I do feel like when I was, a, um, I do feel like what I did was a spark and it caught on. Yes. I'm not disappointed. Let the people know Rosa Parks was the right person for the boycott, but also let them know that the attorneys took four other women to the Supreme Court to challenge the law that led to the end of segregation. Yeah, they should be remembered, yeah. too. Because she was one of five. Originally one of six, but the sixth woman was intimidated. Oh, and just didn't want to go in. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, on May 20th, 2018, Congressman Joe Crowley honored Colvin for her lifetime commitment to public service with a congressional certificate and an American flag. Oh. Just, you know. Wow. Here's an apology. Yeah. Have a flag. Have a flag. Yeah, you know the country that... Um, hated you for yeah. most of your life. Yeah. Uh, take a symbol of it. You'll love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, she said that she's not angry that she didn't get more recognition, but she's just disappointed. Um, she said she felt as if she was getting her Christmas in January rather than December. Um, in an mm. interview, she said, I don't think there's room for many more icons. I think that history only has room for certain uh, enough for certain, you know, how many icons can you choose? So I think you compare history like most historians say Columbus discovered America and it was already populated. <laughs> but they don't say that Columbus discovered America. They should say for the European people that is, you know, their discovery of the new world. Sure. Yeah. Like Rosa Parks is what's remembered. It's not the whole story. Right. But but that is a part of history anyway. Yeah. Sure. Um, so she had some more recognition down the road, including in 2019, um, a statue of Rosa Parks was unveiled in Montgomery, Alabama, and there were four granite markers that were also near the statue to honor four of the plaintiffs in Browder versus Gale. Good. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That's pretty rad. Yeah. That always seemed like... When we were learning about it, specifically in college, because, again, high school has this, like, really bullshit version of history that they teach you most of the time. Uh, but in college, like, a lot of the arguments for any people who are trying to, um, like, just change anything, there's always the side that wants to be super radical about it and, and fuck everybody who doesn't agree and... It's really easy to see their side because it's like, you're right. Yeah, this is mm -hmm. injustice. Fuck everybody who doesn't agree yeah. and you don't have to work with them and they can eat your dicks. But also there's a side usually that's like, no, we have to control our image. We have to kowtow to this amount of bullshit in order for people to even listen to us so that progress can be made in incrementally. Yeah. Those are like 
That is still happening. It is. All the time. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. People are still <clears throat> quoting Malcolm X and fighting for a more radicalized approach mm-hmm. to fight against the injustices. And, like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I feel that anger. Mm-hmm. I want to do something about it. But I also don't want to die. Right. Yeah. And you can tell, like, the NAACP was trying to take that that road of, like, people won't listen to us if we mm-hmm. don't do a certain amount to make them comfortable yep. so that they can listen to us. Yep. That was, like, one... Uh, since I was an English major, we talked about W.E.B. Du Bois a lot um, because he was also sort of a proponent of like, look, you're right. This sucks. This is horrible. But um, white people will never listen to us if we, we don't make them comfortable. And there were also people at the time who were like, fuck making white people comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting argument. It happens all throughout history. I'm falling into the latter camp. <laughs> yeah. Um I agree more with the latter camp, although you can tell, like, the former camp has gotten a lot done over time. Yeah. (laughs) The latter camp has also gotten stuff done. Oh, yeah. Usually a little more violently. Yeah. But, you know, fuck, it gets done. It gets done. (laughs) It gets done one way or another. Yeah. It's just, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Claudette Colvin rules. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really cool how, like, calm she was and while being so afraid right i don't know if i would have been able to do that at all no like the, the fact that she just kept screaming it's my yes. constitutional right and not hey fuck you pigs yep <laughs> yeah like really intense it's great there would have just been a laundry list of very inventive swears coming out <laughs> of my mouth you motherfuckers <laughs> yes and the fact that like when she was like i started crying mm-hmm. but i was still very resolute yep. i was like that's yep Yep. I feel that. Yep. Where you're just like, you know you're in danger and you're afraid. Mm-hmm. So you can't stop from crying. Yep. But. Because that could have been a lot worse. Yes. It like really it absolutely could have. could have been a lot worse. They, I mean, they could have beaten her and yep. nobody could have done anything about it. Either could, could have or sexually would have. assaulted her because mm-hmm. that had happened. And yeah. As soon as they, they got weren't going to be car. prosecuted. Mm-hmm. Because we've talked about that. Right. Ugh. The being a woman on top of it. Mm-hmm. Like that's. Mm-hmm. She just had so many things. And so young. So young. 15. Oh, my God. What a badass. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, you're right. I'm sad and a little angry. But yeah. Also, you're right. You said uplifting as well. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, 10 years later. <laughs> right. No. 10 fucking years later. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad she's gotten any recognition at all. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I I remember learning about them needing to needing to use Rosa for reasons, yeah. but that was not what we learned, not no. originally. No. And she was pretty close. She was a little older than my dad was at that age mm. when he was down in the South and he marched with like Martin Luther King and like civil rights movement so and all cool. that kind of shit. So awesome. And it's just like being that age and having something that profound happening. Mm-hmm. And being a part of it, knowing that if you step out in the streets in a protest, like, you might get killed. Yeah. Hosed. Dogs sent after you yep. and shit. Awful. Beaten. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll change the course of your whole life. Yep. Oh, my God. All right. Um, I am going to get maybe a slightly uh, more to drink. Oh, and you as well, I hope. This is earned. Should we just do, like, a harp noise real quick? But <laughs> And we're back. <laughs> we ate a lovely chocolate from mm-hmm. 
a Valentine's Day box of chocolates that Emily won. Mm, butter rum. Mm-hmm. Good shit. We got some more drinks. More drinks. And the vibes are going to shift again. Yeah. <laughs> Let's undo this. We're going from angry to apparently dark. Somewhat dark, yes. Dark quite, AF. Quite fucking dark. Because um, I'm, I'm true like, crime this, this like, time around. Yeah, this is like apparently an Emily-level story. Um, And honestly... No, no, oh. like not the Japanese do- level. <laughs> Nothing is going to be Nothing that Nothing will ever touch it. Nothing will ever touch that. You injured yourself researching that. <laughs> I did. I injured myself hearing it. We will never do that to each other again. <laughs> we say we will never do that to each other again. You're right. But if either of us finds one like that, we're going to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> Have I got something for you? But this is pretty, this is pretty dark. Okay. For me, it's pretty dark. Okay. All right. So. As you're aware, in 1929, the Great Depression hit. Yeah. And I think that, like, most of the time we think about that as, like, a national thing that happened to our country specifically. Mm-hmm. At least that's what you learn about. Yeah. It's like a shit time in our nation's history. Yeah. However, what we don't talk about is that the Great Depression is, like, it was a worldwide thing. <laughs> because once we went down, oh boy, did we take everybody down with us. As we're wont to do. As we are wont to do. <laughs> It's true. I'm looking at you, Trump. Yeah, real shit. But like, I mean, you know, our financial institutions support places all over the world mm-hmm. and our trade. We would we buy other people's exports. We would we would export our own shit to people. Mm-hmm. We stopped doing all of that. Yeah. Basically. We put tariffs yeah. up. We fucked the world like pretty goddamn good because we fucked ourselves. Yeah. We didn't even buy ourselves dinner first because we mm-hmm. couldn't afford it. <laughs> Specifically, one of these places we fucked pretty hard is Germany. Uh, well. And we'd already fucked them in World War One. Yeah. And then we fucked them again with the Great Depression. And so then you, we fucked them a third time. You can kind of understand why World War Two might have happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then we fucked them again. Yeah. We so. created the opening for Adolf Hitler to step in. We just really did. Yeah. Us and the rest of the world, to be I very mean, honest. Yeah. It, it wasn't just us. For once, like, it wasn't just us. <laughs> he saw an opportunity and he took it. He sure did. Oh, my God. So Germany was hit very hard. By World War II. Because, again, like, they had, oh, my God, so much of their capital was coming from loans from American financial institutions, and so much of their exports were being purchased by us. We put up tariffs. They started calling out their loans instead of, like, giving them out, and they were fucked. Um, By the end of 1929, 1.5 million Germans had lost their jobs. And then by the end of 1933, that had skyrocketed to 6 million That's a third of their working people were out of work. So they were doing just as bad, if not worse, than us. So this this is the economic disaster that a woman named Maria Budlik is living in in 1930. So so the Great Depression hit a little less than a year ago at this point. She is a domestic servant by trade, but she is out of work like so many others. So in May of that year, she packed her things and she moved from a place called Köln to Dusseldorf. They're not that far from each other, but Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf. A hilariously named city. Dusseldorf. Every time I hear Dusseldorf, I think of um, Phineas and Ferb. I didn't watch that show a lot. Jake loves it, though. Wow. I know. I'm so sorry. It does seem super funny. I just didn't get into it. Is there like a character named Dusseldorf? I think so. <laughs> or he's from Dusseldorf. Sure, and I'm sure they say it real funny every Doofenshmirtz. time. Doofenshmirtz. His name is Doofenshmirtz. Doofenshmirtz. 
That's worse. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Dusseldorf is like the bigger city in the area where she lives. So she moves there to try to like find work. Sure. Hoping that somebody there Move will to be a bigger population. Exactly. Yeah. Will be needing her services. So the story starts like immediately upon her getting off this train. Uh-oh. Like she gets off the train to Dusseldorf and the shit starts happening. This poor woman. It's like getting going to New York and immediately getting mugged. Oh, except I feel like this is worse than being mugged. It will be. Okay. So she's got her bags and she's got her fucking youthful attitude. And you know that part in that Annie song where it's like, <laughs> where it's like three bucks, two bags, one me. Um, I always wanted to be that uh, lady in the. Sure. Any musical. Thank you very much. Wow. Uh, that's how I picture her. She okay. Steps off this train. Yeah. Optimistic. Absolutely. Clinging to hope. Ready to get some stuff Bigger done. Bigger city's gonna be better. Exactly. She's moving from her small town. She doesn't really know it's what's going on. It's gonna be great. On. It's gonna be great. Right. So immediately she's approached by a man who tells her that he can show her the way to a ladies' hostel where she can stay. Sure. Okay. Sure. 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 Tight. 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 This echoing Taken, mm. like the beginning of Taken. <laughs> you need somewhere to stay? Let me show you that. Let's share a cab. Yeah, what could no. go wrong? No, thank you. Show me where you're staying. So, I mean, she doesn't have anywhere to stay, so she goes with him a ways. But they are walking, and as they're walking, this man starts to lead her toward a park that she feels is, like, pretty sparse. Like, there's not a lot of people there. And that freaks her out. Sure. And she remembers that she has read some stories recently. And these stories are about this area. And these stories are about a serial rapist and murderer the papers are calling the Vampire of Dusseldorf. Oh. So Maria stops. Taylor. Uh-huh. Taylor. Uh-huh. Have you perhaps heard of this man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. It's going to get so bad. <laughs> well, you don't get called a vampire for nothing. Mm. So, <laughs> so Maria stops mm-hmm. and she tells the man she doesn't actually need his help. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just going to go on her own way. The man turns on her. He becomes agitated. He's sure. like, I'm just trying to help you. Yeah. I'm a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And they just stand there arguing, clearly loud enough for others to hear. Because a moment later, another man comes up and asks what's going on. Is there a problem here type of thing? Is he bothering you? Is this a vampire? And the first man may be embarrassed or worried about being caught doing something nefarious. He just kind of slinks off. Yeah. And let me guess. The other guy volunteers to walk her somewhere. Mm, And he's the vampire. You're so fucking right. Uh Uh-huh. You're so fucking right. Yeah. Because this second man happens to have a room for rent. Of course he does. And he and his wife have been looking for somebody to take it over. He can take it to his place. Give her a meal and a place to stay. And I don't even know the first man's name. I have no idea who that guy was. I don't think he had the best intentions. No, I don't feel like he was taking her to a hostel, but like. I think she had like pretty ironclad, at least for a second there. Pretty ironclad, trust your gut instincts. Mm -hmm. A good uh uh-oh feeling. Mm -hmm. But this woman has the worst luck of all time. Yeah. Because she was left alone by the first man who might have just done some shit and who knows who he was. But the second man who comes to her aid, I'm putting fucking quotes around that. His name is Peter Curtin. Curtin. <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to pronounce it that way. I fucking <laughs> looked up how it's pronounced. My tongue can't do that thing, Germans. 
It's got an umlaut over the U. Curtain. It's like Curtain. 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 <laughs> I'm calling him Peter Curtain because he can go fuck himself. All right. It's and he, for this bitch. Yes. He, you are correct, is the vampire of Dusseldorf. I cannot believe this happened to this woman, honestly. I feel already so bad for her. Mm-hmm. So we are going to go into a brief history of the vampire because holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Peter Curtin was born in 1883. And as far as I can tell, he's been a fucker his whole goddamn life. His parents his parents were poor alcoholics with 13, count them, 13 fucking children. Gotta love the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Two of them died in early age, but sure. still. That's still a lot of kids. So many fucking people. So many kids. And they lived in like a one bedroom sure. apartment. Awful. Early His, 1900s. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. People done be doing some shit. Mm-hmm. His father was reportedly um, horrible. Beat, Shocked. Beat his wife, beat all the children, sexually abused Kirsten, uh, Curtin's older sister. Um, he, he may have even like made his children watch as he had sex with their mother. Like he'd put them all in one room, make his wife take off all her clothes and, and have sex with her in front of all of their children. This happened a lot. Uh, Curtin was forced to go on living with his father, even when his mother was like, um, I need a separation order. This is horrible. And they actually granted it to her, which at the time. That's rare. It's very hard. To get away she from must your have husband. like walked in covered in bruises and he, bleeding he was um he was accused of incest because of the sexual assault of his own daughter okay and when he went to jail for that she was able to get that sure order. and she might have taken some of their kids hopefully the daughter but she left curtain we'll with his father um so he got the brunt of his father's bullshit being the oldest remaining boy um, he may have also spent a lot of time in the company of a local dog catcher who would abuse and torture the animals that he would find. And Curtin was into that because he was real good from the get. He's like a real, like, was he born this way or did everything that happened to him as a kid make him this way? Is yeah, it both? it's the honor of nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. He's a real interesting case for that because, wow, yeah, either way. Like, either like, yeah, it. Because if your father has the genes to do what he did. If your father is a literal walking sociopath, mm-hmm. or actually probably a literal walking psychopath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's violent as yeah. fuck. So if, he, I mean, he's probably passed his genes on to you, mm-hmm. and he's created an environment in yeah. which you become a yeah. complete psycho. So, Curtin claims to have committed his first murders at nine years old. By pushing one boy off of a raft into a lake, and when another boy jumped in to save him, he held both of their heads underwater until they drowned. So there's that. That is not proven, though. After that, Curtin was repeatedly jailed for various random crimes, including theft, fraud, armed robbery, and arson. Each time he got out of prison, his hatred for, like, the whole justice system and society, it grew. He, the conditions in the jails made him really angry and he just fucking hated everything and everyone. Sure. He was drafted into the German army in 1904. Cool, cool, cool. Tight, tight, tight. That went really well mm. for him. Well, he did quickly desert because he had some more fires to set. <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah. Fighting <laughs> can't get in the way of our sin, guys. No, no, not for a second. Are you kidding? Not when it's your passion. Can't set fires in the trenches. <laughs> well, I mean, you can. You can, but it's uh, frowned it's, upon. Yeah. <laughs> it's really frowned upon. <laughs> it's not cool. So, um, this 
when he is caught for desertion and for the other arsons he's committed, that's the longest he's ever held. He is jailed from 1905 to 1913. Oh, not long enough. Right. Um, but that one was particularly bad. He was put in a lot of solitary confinement, and he talked about, like, a lot of, like, torturous things that happened. And that one, that one really made him, like, solidified his hatred for literally every person living on this fucking planet. So. Although I think on the flip side of that, war would have done the same. Oh, for sure. I don't think it would have made him no. better at all. The fact that he... He was drafted. He never would have gone into that no. himself. Didn't even have fucking time for it. Was like, I'm just going to go. And whatever happens to me happens because I'm going to go mm-hmm. just burn some shit down. Yeah. Um, also, let's just get this out of the way. It is a sex thing for him. It's mm. gross. The thoughts of killing and harming people is like sexually gratifying. So the Sexual sadist. It's really, yeah. And I mean, all the stuff that he witnessed as a kid yeah. was sexual sadism too yep there is just there is seriously like in so many other things i read specifically the wikipedia which was crazy detailed compared to a lot of other stuff i found Mm. it was really well done his wikipedia page is nuts uh there is so much of this guy claiming to spontaneously ejaculate during various crimes like so much so much <laughs> like it's every other paragraph is like and he and i'm like i don't want to hear about I don't, it i don't need it's to know that thank super you super fine if we don't talk about it anymore so <laughs> oh my god his first actually provable murder was committed in 1913 when he was 30 when he raped and killed a 10 year old girl oh I taylor know. i know it's horrible she was like in bed too he like broke into the apartment above the pub that her parents own it's awful i need to tell cat what you're doing to me i'm so sorry so he, the thing is like he killed her and then he left and then he came back the next day to the neighborhood and sat in a cafe across from the pub and watched everybody talking about how horrible it was watched the police talking about how heinous and awful this crime was especially when they realized that he had also raped her and he loved that. He loved hearing I'm how disgusted shocked. and horrified everyone was. Because he hates everyone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it is gratifying not just to do the thing, but then to hear how upset everyone gets mm-hmm. about it. It's like double awesome for him because he has a lot of wires crossed. Holy shit. Side note. Someone married him. It's actually not that surprising. No, it's really not. <laughs> we talk about that a lot. It's really fucking not. In uh, 1921, he was married to a woman named August, but it's got an E at the end, and it's German, and I don't want to... August. August. She may or may not have suspected a thing. I have no fucking idea. No one ever mentions. Did she care? Who knows? I mean, she comes back, but Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Okay. So meanwhile, over the course of two more decades, Peter Curtin's crimes escalate as he continues to rape and or murder mainly young women, but also men and straight-up children. Okay. All leading to a series of killings in 1929, okay, (laughs) in which he stabbed a woman with scissors 24 times, raped a woman, killed an eight-year-old, murdered a mechanic, stabbed three people on the same day, murdered two sisters, stabbed someone else, beat a girl with a hammer, attacked two more women with a hammer, killed a five-year-old with a gun, and again, a pair of scissors. I don't even know if that's all of it. Everywhere I looked, there was, like, a huge list of crimes of what he did in 1929. Like, over, he would go these, like, months of nothing and then, like, sprees. He had a February spree, an August spree, an October spree. 
and he just kept stabbing people with scissors, for one thing. And um, some of these people got away. One of the people he stabbed in February, the 24 times, she lived. <laughs> so as you can imagine, throughout all this carnage, he has like the entirety of Dusseldorf, the whole area, like terrified. Sure. They are. There's a madman running around stabbing people with scissors and like. Yeah. Raping people and killing children and mm -hmm. murdering I mean, it's, mechanics. It's maybe the most heinous stuff they've ever heard of. It's Jack well, the Ripper shit, but It's worse. the most heinous stuff they've ever heard up up to that point. Exactly. Like, maybe this has never happened before. Maybe they've heard it in, like, small doses where there's a murder here and a murder there. This is one guy. And to be fair, the police did think it has to be more than one. Sure. Because there's scissors and knives and there's rape and then yeah, there's not. Yeah, his M.O. keeps changing. Exactly. His demographics of who he's killing keep changing. Mm -hmm. He's not sticking to one type. Right. And it's hard to tell if that was on purpose to not get caught or if he was just like, I, I feel like he's an opportunity. Anyone. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think he thinks that hard about no. it. He, so. he hates everyone equally. Exactly. Uh... <laughs> So I hate him. Yeah, he's the fucking worst. I hope he died violently. Oh, I'll talk about it. Okay. So, <laughs> so this year of carnage, mm -hmm. he's being reported on by all the papers. He is national and international news. People are looking for him. Obviously, the police are straight up. There were nine hundred thousand people on a list at one point that they did. Like they were looking for him. They called in thousands of people for questioning. I don't know how they didn't fucking find him, but they didn't for a really long time. Uh, oh, yeah. At one point, he starts uh, sending letters to the police. He sent a letter about a specific woman also named Maria. Don't worry about it. Um, who he murdered and left in a grave at the edge of a wood. He was originally going to, like, take her back out of the grave and then put her on, like, nail her to a tree crucifixion style. Sure. Because that would freak people out. And he sure. Loves that. But then her uh, remains were too heavy. <laughs> So he just left her there, and then he sent a letter to both the press and the police with a map saying exactly where they could find her. And also, hi, I've been doing all this shit. It's almost like she was literally dead weight. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't help him at all, just straight she up just dead weight. Didn't help him at all. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe he shouldn't have killed, killed her. her. <laughs> Fucker. Fucking asshole. I just love that he can't lift her. Like, that's yeah. hysterical. This is like. Uh, this is like a woman and you're a dude who kills people and yeah. you can't lift her anyway. Whatever. Yeah, because he's a weak-ass bitch. And I hate him so much. Mm -hmm. So look. And I really, I need to know if he died violently. I promise I'll tell you. Okay. The only thing is, this is a lot of the killer. I know that. This is our Survivor but podcast. But this is also the vampire of Dusseldorf. This is the fucking so He's intense. He's intense. And there's an and ass load of info. The, the setup is important. Yes, we need to know what, what this, she this woman is facing. Exactly. And also, again, the fucking Wikipedia is so long that there was an entire section just called Hammer Attacks. <laughs> they just, they had to do a separate section just for the Hammer Attacks. <laughs> so I cut that down by a lot. I'm just saying, I really sped through some shit. Now, now we know exactly like you said, what kind of garbage this man is. Mm-hmm. And oh, and did you uh, did you happen to know why he's called the Vampire of Dusseldorf specifically? Like, how did he get that name? I don't remember. I know he, there was some sort of blood play. Yeah, he apparently derived the most sexual pleasure 
from catching this, uh, the spurting blood from his victim's wounds into his open fucking mouth. There was a point at which he ingested so much blood from somebody that he threw it up, but he just loved weird. it. It's weird because, you know, it's it's almost like human bodies aren't supposed to ingest blood. Ingest blood, yeah. It, like it might make you sick because it's supposed to be in your veins and not in your stomach. <laughs> but uh, he loved that shit, and um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm just so fucking sorry. <laughs> so anyway, back to Maria. Mm-hmm. She's cool. Yeah. Our Maria, like I mentioned before, she's actually the third Maria he has encountered. There are two other named victims, named Maria, that I could find. I mean, that is a pretty common German name. Very common, yeah. Makes sense. He stabbed the other two to death, so our Maria is in trouble. Quote, oh, and I'm so sorry, but I have several quotes from Curtin, because he talked like a little bitch. I'm shocked. Mm-hmm. This is a quote from Curtin about Maria. The girl told me she was out of work and had nowhere to go. She agreed to come with me to my room on the, it's Met, Metmanerstrauss, Metmanner Street type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she suddenly said she did not want sexual intercourse and asked me whether I could find her somewhere else to sleep. Yeah. You see, Curtin had offered her a meal and lodgings and took her all the way to his apartment. But Maria, the queen of trusting your gut, apparently... Like, she correctly deduced that she would have to have sex with him to have all this stuff. He didn't say it. She just was kind of like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I see what's happening I mean, that was also pretty common for a lot of men in that time period of like, hey, I'll give you this and this. You clearly don't have money, but... Yeah. Look, we can make an arrangement for something else. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. And plus, there's no way this guy's not creepy as fuck. You nasty. Mm, You nasty. So she told him she wasn't interested. She just flat out was like, you know what? Actually, if that's what you're looking for... I can't do that for you. I'm not doing Fuck it. Fuck this shit. I'm out. Can you please point me in the direction of a different place to go? And he says, yeah, let me take you to a new place nope. where we can find lodging. No. Nope. This was a, um, this, nope. is, this is a problematic part. Yep. This is a problematic part. I mean, all of it so far, but for Maria specifically, because she's been actually doing pretty good. Yeah, she's been, <laughs> she's been solid. Mm-hmm. But weirdly enough, Peter Curtin is not as creepy as you would think. He really kind of owns being a gentleman killer. Like, the way he talks, you're like, oh. It's like you read and stuff, and you, you're you very eloquent. This sucks. This sucks! Asshole. <laughs> yeah. So, since this is Peter Curtin we're talking about, of course, he is not just going to take her somewhere where she will be nice and safe. They get on a tram. Mm-hmm. They board it and go to Warringer Plots, where he walks her into the Grafenberger Woods, and there he takes her by the neck, and according to him... Asks if he can have her. I don't think he fucking asks. Quote, I thought that under the circumstances she would agree. And my opinion was right. Oh I mean, my seriously, god. This is how he talks. <laughs> like, oh my god. He's the fucking worst. Afterwards, I took her back to the tram, but I did not accompany her uh, right to it because I was afraid she might inform the police officer who was standing there. I had no intention of killing Budlik, as she offered no resistance. Curtin had raped Maria in the woods and then sent her on her way, making sure no one saw them together when she got back on the tram. He let her go, as he actually had several people. He had, let, he had like, assaulted and raped several people, and they just got away. I do not know. 
He's not a super descript looking man. Like he kind of looks like maybe everybody did at the time. Mm. But I don't know how he fucking got away with this so many times. Because he's white. Right. Yeah. And he looks kind of like a gentleman. Like he maintains an air about him. So he does this. He lets her go because she hadn't fought him. And because specifically during the assault, she had told him at the time that despite being at his house, she didn't remember his address. And she was not familiar with the area. So Curtin assumed that she wouldn't be able to locate him again if she notified the police. Even if she went to them, she wouldn't be able to find him. Quote, from Curtin. So much the more was I surprised when on Wednesday the 21st of May I saw her again in my house. <laughs> that was my favorite thing he said. I was like, that's funny as shit. So see, what had happened was... <laughs> Maria had escaped with her life, but she'd been attacked and raped and she was embarrassed and she had no intention of going to the police because she didn't want to tell them that she, you know, had this happen to her. That's very, that's a rough thing to fucking talk about. People still don't report. So she did, however, write a letter to a friend by the name of Frau Buckner uh, detailing the assault. Just letting her friend know this happened to me. It sucks. By some stroke of fucking crazy fate. Like, n I don't even understand. It's amazing. The letter was improperly sent to a woman named Frau Brugman. I mean, they got a B and a U in common. I have no idea how this happened. She didn't know Maria, but she opened the letter and was horrified at the account she read. Remember, everyone in this area knows who this guy is. Like, everyone has heard about the rapes and the killings. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. she probably was like, oh, what? Oh, oh, it's the vampire. Oh, my God. This person has written a letter about the vampire. And this woman, Frau Brugman, takes the letter straight to the police. And it's not hard for the police to find who had written the letter. It's probably got a fucking return address on it. So they go and question Maria right away. She told them what had happened. And then she told them she knew exactly where this man lived. Curtin and his wife lived at 71 Metmoner Strauss which is an apartment building. Maria takes two police officers inside with her and correctly points out Curtin's exact apartment among many in the hallway. And then, as they are standing there, who should come up the stairs but Curtin? <laughs> Seriously, he describes it even. He's like, I was very surprised to see her. <laughs> she was just right there. She was just right fucking there. And they were just, they were plain clothed, mm -hmm. but police officers. <laughs> like... Uh, so they're both totally thrown off by seeing each other. Maria can't even bring herself to point him out immediately because hes it's terrifying to see him. Yeah. So she just kind of goes, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. He goes inside his house, and then a moment later, he comes back out with a hat on and a bag, and he leaves. And then she's finally like, that was him. <laughs> I can just imagine this moment in the hallway when they're both like, oh, shit, it's you. <laughs> like, ugh. So at this point, Curtin's not an idiot. He's going to get caught. Yeah. Like, he just walked out of he that. He knows. He was incredibly lucky to get away with even that point. Mm -hmm. So he decides to tell his wife <laughs> about raping Maria and how he will probably go away for it and they will be apart for many years, if not his whole life. His wife, who, again, I don't have enough info to know if she has ever had any suspicions, but she is like, in this economy... You're going to leave me. <laughs> like, 
you understand that uh, you're going to go to jail and I'm going to be destitute and I'm going to die an old lady on the street. Is that seriously what you're doing to me right now? And Curtin tells her that actually he has a plan. And this is just, I guess, like what I assume he said. You see, wifey, I didn't just rape this one woman. I've done much worse than that. I'm the goddamn motherfucking vampire of Dusseldorf. And there is a substantial reward for any information pertaining to me. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to the police and you're going to tell them it's me. Actual quote. Of course, it wasn't easy for me to convince her that this ought not to be considered as treason, but that, on the contrary, she was doing a good deed for humanity as well as to justice. It was not until late in the evening that she promised to carry out my request, and also that she would not commit suicide, because <laughs> she was like, I'll just kill myself. Mm -hmm. I don't fucking care. Common. Mm -hmm. It was 11 o'clock when we separated. Back in my lodging, I went to bed and fell asleep at once. Because that's what you do the night before your life is over. The next day, Curtin's wife went to the police and told them everything, including that she was planning on meeting her husband at a specific place at a specific time that afternoon. So, of course, when Curtin shows up, he is surrounded by police and he is arrested. Curtin freely admits to all of his crimes and is willing to talk to police and psychologists, I mean, just so much. Yeah, he's got nothing to hide. He's proud of what he did. Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, he's not necessarily proud. He's not. He admits that he doesn't think it was bad. He likes thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But he also understands that it's a heinous thing and that he yeah. should probably die. He understands <laughs> the societal implications of what he's done. Right. But like so many serial killers, he just loves to talk about it. Yeah. So he talks to them at great fucking length. That's why I have so many quotes from mm -hmm. him. No quotes from Maria because, my God, did I dick. But, I mean, it's a long time ago. Yeah, it's like the fucker who has that Netflix documentary right now where he was confessing to, like, 600 murders. Oh, my God, what? <laughs> it's probably bullshit, but still. It is. What is the name of it? Do you know? I will find it. Okay, because I want to know it. Mm -hmm. I want to I watch that. Mm -hmm. So... All right, so he was tried on April, April 13th, uh, 1931, and initially put in a plea of not guilty mm. by reason of insanity. But later, he changed it to guilty. Like, he requested specifically that his lawyers change his plea to guilty. He stated a large part of his motivation for this was wanting his wife to actually get... He wanted to be proven guilty, basically. Yeah. If he's convicted, his wife gets all this money for having information on him and for turning him in. She is literally the only person in the world that he has ever liked, evidently. Because he's like, no, I, I just need you to understand. I, I, like my, I admire her a great deal, and I don't want to leave her destitute. So, yeah, I'm guilty. And he is, so it's fine. So, Curtin was found guilty and sentenced to death. And on July 2nd, oh, Emily. Oh, Emily. Has, has it come? Has the time come? It is here, and it's okay. for you. Okay, okay. And you're going to like it, but you're also not. Oh. On July 2nd, 1931, he was beheaded. Because we were doing that still back then. Sure. I mean, my God, there was a guillotine involved. And it's 1931. Well, I know it's Germany, but still. The guillotine in France, I think, didn't get torn down until, like, the 1990s. 
So, but isn't is that one not symbolic for them? I mean, my God, no, I think they were still <laughs> using it. Shit. So yeah, they straight up guillotined his ass. But okay. the last thing he was reported as saying Fucker. was to his psychiatrist. I don't know. And he said, "Tell me." After my head is chopped off, will I be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? It would be the pleasure to end all pleasures. What a fucking asshole. That is not the ending that I wanted. What a fucking asshole. Yeah, he might have derived one fleeting moment of pleasure from the sound of his own head being cut off. Because that's part of, like... Even more than the blood gushing from his victims, like, it was the sound of it dripping out yeah. that was, like, really, really, he was into it. He, he, he was, was super hot it. for it. He was into it. It was disgusting. Also, Kat, like, just walked in. Just walked in, and she is now <laughs> so upset. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck indeed, my mm-hmm. friend? <laughs> but also, I have two fun facts for you. Oh, two. They are related. Ooh. Fun fact. He is one of the people that scientists, like, have used to see if, like, brain abnormalities can predict psychopathy. Hmm. So they, when he was dead, they bisected and mummified his head and they studied his brain. Okay. And they found nothing. They really didn't find any abnormalities. This is, of course, the 1930s. Yeah. But they found nothing that would sort of explain why the fuck he was like this. I feel like if they'd put him through an MRI. I mean, maybe, yeah. If they had the technology. Do that video thing. Mm-hmm. And who knows? But also, we still don't know, like, if there's always, like, readable brain shit wrong. Yeah. Or if, again, you're just born and you've got behavioral disorders, which aren't physical. They're not physiological problems with your brain, necessarily. You just have fucking issues. Anyway, this is the funnest fact. His mummified head is now on display at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in the Wisconsin Dells. Are you fucking kidding me? I am not kidding you. Taylor! I'm not fucking kidding you, dude. Dude. We gotta go! We gotta go! Road trip! I'm serious. I'm serious. Fucking kidding me. I started screaming when I read that. I started just fucking screaming. Jake was like, what is wrong with you? I was like, we have to go see this fucking dude's head. (laughs) That's, um... An hour and a half away from us. So, like, we need Yo! to go. We need to go. We need to go. Episode 69. <laughs> we're recording a, in the Dells. That's what I'm saying. We need to go to the we Dells. We can go to Wizard Quest, get another stamp. <gasps> I fucking love Wizard we Quest. We can go to... Right next it, door. It's right next door. <laughs> to Ripley's Believe We it can not. get a discount ticket for both. Go see this piece of shit's head. Then we can go to the <laughs> Waffle Bar. <laughs> yes. This is what I'm saying. Episode 69. Our fun trip to the Dells. To the Dells. See this piece of shit's head. It's going to be awesome. Oh my god! Oh my I'm, god! I'm I am so happy. Is it a permanent fixture there? It, as far as I know, like they were like it was transported there after World War II. <gasps> oh, Jesus! It's been there a very long time, and there's no update on it being moved ever. So I want to see this fucker's head. Right? We need to see this I fucker's spit head on the glass. He would probably like that though. Damn He'd it! Honestly, be into it. Like it's a bodily fluid, and it's like. Oh. <laughs> he is so gross. He's so fucking gross. So yeah, that is the story of Maria Budlik, who survived Peter Curtin and helped him get fucking arrested. Yay! Like his wife helped too, but also, damn, did she no, sit on fuck some her. stuff? 
She wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for she the money. She would not have done it if it wasn't for the money. She liked him too much. They genuinely have like a yeah. really nice friendship where they're yeah. like, I'm not going to do this to you. Yeah. But she needed the money. It was really Maria pretending that she didn't remember the dude's address mm-hmm. and then remembering it exactly. And it was also that other woman who received the letter on accident. Yeah, props to her for going to the cops with yeah. that one. Yeah. There was a lot at play there. Like, that was some fate shit. So, yeah. We're going to the Dells. Oh, my God. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so fucking excited. Oh, shit. If we could YouTube our way through this and, like, record while we're there, I don't know if we're going to be able to, but we could try with we our phones. We could absolutely try. Hey, Kat. You want to yes. come to the Dells? Yeah. You want to yeah. be right? videographer request some dude's head waffles <laughs> yes um yeah so episode 69 that's probably what we're gonna do we're gonna and it might have youtube videos attached to it oh i would love that be great it'd be so great maybe just for our patreon who knows Ooh. yeah Ooh. right mm. but yeah if they let us i don't care like it's gonna be awesome oh, all right so Listen, that's wizard quest and ripley's believe it or not doesn't need to know what we do inside of you're them. so Whoa, you sound like Curtin now. <laughs> no, that wasn't in order enough, like mm. with formal. You're right. Again, things. like you heard all those yeah. quotes from him. He talked like an educated ass dude, which is such bullshit. Yeah. I, I think he might have been like, you know, psychopaths, they're usually not actually intelligent. To mm-hmm. be called an intelligent psychopath is kind of crazy. It's terrifying. Yes. It's terrifying. Because that's usually you're a psychopath because you lack the intelligence. Yeah to read other people's emotions right. or care about them. Yeah. I think he was smart enough and he just didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just shows he not just to. didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the scary part. Yep. So, yeah. Um, I am so tired after that. That is uh, the yeah, worst I am story. Emotionally and physically exhausted. Just exhausted. And I didn't do anything. Just fucking exhausted. Oh, we did yell. Cat, we did yell. We you missed, did. you missed us talking about racism. <laughs> We am <laughs> fucking shocked. Oh, wow. Wow. Wowzies. I mean, I know we're predictable, but whatevs. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else we need to say to people? I mean, thanks, fucks, as always. <laughs> I'm holding my drink like a fucking, <laughs> like I'm in fucking streetcar named Desire. <laughs> like, <laughs> thanks, you fucks. Thanks, you fucking fucks. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else. So I guess that's it. Thanks yeah, I guess we us. got a dip, dip potato chip. Oh Jesus, fucking! It's fucking coming Christ. back. It's coming back. You're bringing it back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's coming back. All right. Well, okay. Well, okay. Okay. You should definitely be like Colette Colvin. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. You should probably be like Maria Budlick too. And otherwise, you know, even if you can't always, you know, maybe every day you can't be like them. Maybe, maybe some days are hard. I get it. Yeah. Lots of our days are hard. We are who we are. Yeah, you can't you can't always be fifteen year old Claudette. Just you know, just owning it, owning it, fighting the entire system by yourself. Yeah. And you can't be Maria getting off. Just a small town girl, right? Just a small town girl living in a lonely world. She took the midnight train and it didn't go it did well. Not go well. <laughs> Maybe just don't get off the midnight train. Yeah, unless Even it's going to Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> If it's going to Georgia, then you're fine. Your love is waiting. But okay. if you can't, if you hit some days where you can't be like that, that's fine. Everybody okay. has hard days mm-hmm. and you're going to, you're going to get better. And you know, all you really should focus on is no matter what, just don't ever forget your can of water. Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> Everybody has those days. Everybody knows what 
I'm talking about everybody feels like I can't believe that you came back at me with that. With that. With that. With a little Hannah Montana. That's my new response to a can of water. Fucking acceptable. <laughs>